Hello, welcome to episode 50, 50 of We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that to the uninitiated major sound like screaming and crying. I'm Adam, I'm here with Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk about this month's news, because yeah. we haven't recorded a proper episode for yeah. like a month. Yeah, so yeah. I haven't seen... So anything haven't, going on? I haven't seen news since um, about five in the morning, Monday. <laughs> yeah. Where after... WrestleMania! The contest of the immortals, WrestleMania. Oh. The most disappointing time of the year. I did see someone describe it as it's like the Sonic Cycle compacted into four, into um, seven hours. <laughs> it's about, it's, um, it was shit. It was it. I look. I I enjoyed it. There were three good um, matches in seven and a bit hours. About eighteen. And then it's like the first hour. There's like two hour pre-show, hmm. and after the first hour finishes. It's like it starts to it ends and it's like the pre-show's ended. It's like oh they're starting early. And then it goes into goes into an hour kickoff. <laughs> it's like oh for fuck's sake, I hate you. I hate you so much. Stop having these panels of people talking about it like it's a real sport, and they can't even pretend that it's a real sport because one of the people on the panel has literally lost his mind. And it's like he's like um, Thingy in Hook who's looking for his lost marbles. That's Booker T now, really. <laughs> And it's just me. Oh, it's so sad. I loved Booker T. <clears throat> yes, back in the day, he was all. He was like he was sharp and on it, you know. Yeah, he was. A and good now promo, he just he's like he's, and... it's because they make it's because they make them all improvise. It's weird because they make all of the um, the wrestlers who are supposed to be kind of these unique, mm. like organic characters. They give them all scripts to read, yep. but the um, like panel show, yeah, which is like the equivalent of like match of the day panels. Mm. They let them improv, which is terrible because they have nothing to say. Well, what can you say? <laughs> it was yeah, it was. Uh, it's very easy to to work out what to say. You ask who's going to win, and you ask this of the person who used to be in WWE but isn't anymore, <laughs> and they don't know because they don't know any of the wrestlers' names. <laughs> it's really easy. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a hard. That was our weekend. We watched NXT and we watched WrestleMania. Uh, that was just a little rejoinder to like our. Our WrestleMania episode because we've been thinking about and it, it was a lot, thing, chatting about it a lot. I think there was one major issue, other mm-hmm. than, well, of course, Nakamura AJ Styles wasn't as good as it was at Wrestle Kingdom years ago. They're yeah. older people now and they're wrestling for a bad company. Yeah. Um, but I really, there's like a couple of things. Like there was Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax in with a body positivity gimmick where yeah. Alexa Bliss, short, pretty girl who was a champion, horrible girl. And she was being mean. Yeah, she was being like really mean, like being just like really horrible. Who's like six foot six and yeah, and she's quite a large, two hundred and something pounds. Yeah, and it was like a lot of like bullying, and then in a proper good WrestleMania way, Nia Jax wins, beats the bully, everyone cheers, hero cries. Yeah, great. I thought that was a good match. It was, but this is my problem Uh because of WWE. Uh, Ah, what happens on the next episode of SmackDown? uh, No, they're on Raw. Okay, but what? How does that story carry on now? Is oh, she going to turn heel now? Is she going to be an evil big fat girl? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like it's not going to go well. They're trying to so that as a company, they're trying to like in, uh, be more woke and include more like um, LGBT storylines. And like as soon as I there was an interview with Stephanie McMahon where she said she was going to include more LGBT story storylines, and I was like, no, don't do it. Well, you no, can't the- tell the storyline of anybody. <laughs> Yeah. You can't tell the storyline of a straight person, let alone an LGBT person. Yeah. Um, it's, no. That's the thing. It's just, I don't trust them to be able to do it well. And that's based on 
years of observing the stuff they put out, Goldust yeah. was one of their first LGBT characters. That was where um, uh, Jerry Lawler called him the F word. Um, oh yeah, live on Raw. Of course, he said did. we don't need some prancing little F word. Mm-hmm. But yeah, exactly. It's going to be that. It's going to, it's going to go very badly. Yeah, um, and it's obviously like it's what's it, woke washing. Um, because like there's another, yeah, there's another wrestler wa- of um, Finn Balor who I very much like, who's got a whole. I don't think he's gay. I'm pretty. I don't know. But, um, I haven't heard. It's like either he's, either he's a proud gay man or he's a proud gay ally. Yeah, I think he's an ally, definitely. But he's but got um, as to his like sexuality as a person. Fergal Devitt, I am sure, one hundred percent is like. For the extension of LGBT rights, most of the wrestlers on the roster yeah. are now, especially you know. yeah, wrestlers of a certain age. It's changed are, now, yeah, because they're all twenty. Tend to be, you know, like yeah. everybody else. But um, I just can't, it's a, again, I can't see what they're yeah. going to do. Are they going to have him turn evil and be like an evil social justice warrior? Like there's, I know there's a heel social justice warrior wrestling the Indies in America, mm. um, but I could see them doing that because I know, don't the, think they will. Because the thing you've got to remember is this company is the one that spent. Who gave the most money to Donald Trump? Mm. So yeah, so that's my, my main thing with WrestleMania is like little bits. It's like, oh, I really like that. That's really good. Beat up that obnoxious little bully girl, and then it's just, oh god, what are you gonna do tomorrow? Because <laughs> you've got to carry on this story. Oh, it's just gonna be terrible. Yeah. Whereas at least with New Japan, the story is who's gonna break whose leg. <laughs> the answer is Suzuki who's gonna break someone's leg. It's great. <laughs> Right, that's the wrestling out of the way. So we have to talk about politics now. Yeah, we have to talk about politics again. Anything happened in the last month? Anything serious? No, so nothing. Nothing's happened. Um, we're going to talk about um, obviously the Corbyn anti-Semitism mm, row. We'll a bit about that, yeah. Um, and kind of what where it's what it means for the kind of Corbynism generally, mm. where it kind of situates like because it I think it kind of goes a bit deeper than just the. Like response to anti-Semitism, which overall has been really good. Yeah. I when that first came out, there was a. I mean, I remember the first I heard of it was you sent me an image of the mural that yeah, that guy said, is it that mere one, and you said, is, "Do you think this is anti-Semitic?" And I looked at it at first glance and said, uh, "Yeah, it does look like it. It's the 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 hook noses, the like counting money on a table mm. on top of like broken bodies yeah. and things like that and it's like that looks pretty anti-Semitic so I went on that guy's website and I saw he did a load of other um, artworks with exactly the same like mm. uh, structure and he'd substituted out the people on it for different and I was like yeah. well maybe it's just ridiculous like maybe maybe he's just I don't know I wasn't I, I was in two minds about it mm. you know if I'm honest Um then I saw what his explanation was. On DavidIke.com. <laughs> On DavidIke.com, don't worry, he gets the real news. <laughs> um, Straight from the lizard's mouth. <laughs> uh, I, chose the, I chose to depict the likenesses of such early turn-of-the-century robber barons, specifically Rothschild, Rockefeller, Morgan, Carnegie, Warburg, <laughs> as well as Alistair Crowley, for some reason, who was a kind of philosophical guru to the ruling elite of that time and a well-known Satanist. What? I'm pretty sure Alistair Crowley wasn't a guru to Rockefeller and Rothschild. No. And J.P. Morgan. Did like rich people, though. I mean, he was a he was a reasonably rich person for a time. Yeah, until he blew it all <laughs> drugs and prostitutes. On Italian and... caves and sex magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Real goat's blood. Surprisingly expensive in the <laughs> north of Italy or wherever his um, villa was. Artisanally organic. 
organically sourced. <laughs> Goat's blood. Um, yeah, and it, like obviously uh, Corbyn had put a, a little thing under it saying, um, oh, I don't understand why they're trying to take down your, your mm. mural. Um, interesting fact, uh, the mayor who proposed taking it down, look for Rahman. Really? Yep. Who was in charge of it at that time and pushed for it to be taken down. Weird kind of thing for a man who was always accused of, you know, having Isla- uh, Islamist ties and all that kind of thing. You That's know, because the Robert is a scumbag. I, he's corrupt. I don't think he's well. He's never been openly like anti-Semitic or anything like that. Even though that was what was tied at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and so it's there's been a lot of uh, going back and forth. Various Jewish organisations coming out to. Um, like condemn him um, rightly, yeah. But the- um, and real soul searching on the Corbynite left. A lot of the, I would say this has been the moment when a lot of the enthusiasm has been taken out. Like a lot of the not blind enthusiasm. I think that does it a disservice. A lot of the the happy- the wind have been taken out of the sails the a little bit. The happiness that a lot of people on in the British left were feeling after the election. The bouncy inertia yeah, has been that's, taken that's out. There's a proper gut punch. Mm. Um, I know, like, I've, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Because, you know, it, it goes back to the things that I think I sent it to, um, I think it's was talking to some of our friends, but it goes back to why we never joined the Labour Party, why we never really used to like Corbyn or any of those kind of, that generation of Lefty. old lefties. Mm. Because they just hang out with weirdos and they have, like, even the good ones, they have their, they have their one bad thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I... I have, well, they have their multiple bad things. <laughs> I've tried to read up on kind of the old trot left mm. to work out exactly, like, the kind of range of different parties yeah. and their kind of antecedents and their successor parties and how they've split and reformed. Mm. Just, like, it's a good thing to know. Mm. It's still baffling to me, but you do come away with this kind of distaste mm. for almost all of it. I, I do anyway. I, I, like... There are there are obviously individual writers who you end up liking from that period, and mm. there are there are people with kind of good instincts and good good politics. But the organisational end of it just comes across as a horrific mess, prone to like all kinds of shit. Mm. You know, you like theory your way into a fucking bag. Yeah. You know, so you should like the Posadists would be the most extreme example of that. It's like you know, there's no. Uh, there's social. There's no. Uh, there's no socialism on Earth, but there's socialism in the stars, mm. and so you should try and get a nuclear war going in order to attract the aliens to the socialist aliens to come and fix it, or something it's, like that. It's to get their attention, I think. Yeah, uh, but I still think that's fine. <laughs> it's better than some of the others. Better than even Jeff Phillips has got. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, the thing it did lead to that. Was it the um, the protest march rally the the rally outside parliament the enough is enough which yeah. which then led to the media giving interviews to such anti-racist anti-religious bigotry luminaries as Ian Paisley Jr. <laughs> um, it allowed it allowed a gap in which i think with a lot of the other um kind of like media smears mm. that were going on, I think you could laugh it off because they had started to get really desperate. Mm. But I think with the anti-Semitism, it hit enough of a nerve that like a lot of the Corbynite left were kind of sc- like scrambling and trying to just say, look, clearly we recognise that this is a problem. Yeah. Um, it's a specific mode of thinking that yeah. is enabled by certain undercurrents within 
the people that Corbyn has kind of dragged back into the Labour Party. Yeah. Um, it's an old attitude. Um, there's some newness to it as well. But in any case, it has to be it has to be combated mm. and stopped. And there's been various stories about like Christine Shawcroft um, on the NEC had to step down from I think it was their um, internal like disciplinary yeah. part because she refused to um, sack someone who'd been anti-Semitic. But at the same time, that person hadn't just been anti-Semitic. They denied the Holocaust. Well, yeah, which is a form of anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah, but no, like um, you know, there's different kinds. There, you know, there are different levels yeah, of yeah. being an anti-Semite. And then there's, <laughs> I, and then there's like I don't see any of them. You know, there's that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, well, I've looked at the, I've I looked think at the greys. They're not big enough. I haven't actually like. There's been too much to look into because, mm. uh, you, like, you'd end up tr- trawling around thousands of kind of fringe Facebook groups yeah. and main Facebook groups and all the little kind of posts yeah. within them. Uh, which it turns out the press have plenty of time to do yeah. because, of course, along with that comes the ability for the kind of Labour right to then come back and say, well we've always supported Israel, therefore we're not anti-Semitic. And to define kind of who are the the good Jews and who are the bad Jews to listen to Mm. on this subject, Um, something that was only kind of enhanced when uh, Jeremy Corbyn went to a Seder with uh, Judas, like the Levery group, which was actually like like very positive. They're like, they seem to... I mean, obviously, because they experience it, they're very like clear on how to proceed. Yeah, to, to, against anti-Semitism. Uh, so, like when it first came out that he went to this seder, um, I was like, "You shouldn't be doing this now." Like, of all the seders to go to, don't go to that one. Um, but though it was quite brilliant, and whether he planned it or not, it did end up quite good because it did force them all. It forced a load of people to show exactly what they are by literally labelling Judas as wrong Jews. There was a, as like self-hating not, or anti-Semitic Jews. Yeah, yeah. Um, which just proves to think, and then they're all like, oh look, Guido Fawkes says this. It's like, oh yeah, let's listen to Guido Fawkes. Yeah. Tell me more, Paul Staines. What, what, what have you got to tell me of anti-Semitism? We'll see. <laughs> but it's like, as, as, a, as a man with numerous anti-Semitic friends, I'm very good at spotting anti-Semitism. <laughs> but, um, Go on, ask me about Mandela next. Go on. <laughs> God. Um... But yeah, so it was quite good because it made, it forced them to show how bad they are. Plus, it gave it made Judas really famous, and now they have more Twitter followers than the Board of Deputies, <laughs> um, who are just loathsome people. They have taken a very conservative uh, turn. Well, they they weren't until kind of the mid eighties, I think. No, 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 there there was a, a moment. There was a lot of like Jewish activism, radical activism, yeah. um, which got kind of caught up with like London left-wing circles yeah. but obviously it turns more conservative as people get older and things like that I think it reflected that mm. um, as much as anything um, yeah I think it's a function of like Corbyn Corbyn has never said no to a pint do you know what yeah, I think to, yeah, su- like, to like kind of like reduce it down to its basis element I don't think he's ever said no he's willing to hang out to with a group. people and I think that's one of his like one of his strengths is that unlike a lot of politicians, he doesn't he doesn't adhere to that friend enemy distinction mm. a lot. So when he goes and talks to the IRA, for mm. instance, he does it as I want to be a neutral arbiter, I want to I want to end this particular conflict, and I am willing to talk to anybody. Mm. Um 
if he's got mates in, for instance, the SWP, mm. he's like, well, I appreciate you on your merits and not for the organisation. You're a prominent trade union official. Mm. Of course I'm friends with you without taking any of that into account. That's like the good and... That's a good and bad thing, I, I think. That, it's that thing with the... It's... It's, it's the, the bad thing there is there are numerous people that he hangs out with hmm. that he has been explicitly told are bad people. Yeah. And not just like by some rando saying, this person here is horrible, I hate them, and then walking away by saying, look, here is documented evidence of them being monstrous. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, cool. And then he goes off and appears with them on a panel. Hmm. And speaking specifically of the SWP, I don't know much about some of the other ones, but the SWP is one that I do yeah. really hate them. Um, he doesn't seem to have any mechanism for winnowing that stuff out because he's an old man. Well, I think, actually, I think it's... I think and that's just on a personal level. We'll talk about Corbynism in a second. Been, but He spent so long out in the wilderness that they were his friends for years, so of course he's not going to dump them now. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's, it's, a, it's that. It's He's too nice. It's the stuff that we used to laugh about him before, being, he's too nice. Well, he's 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 got such Why a... Why has got... Phillips been made to walk a plank? Because he's too nice to people that hate him. Yeah. Let alone people who like him. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't do the kind of the posturing thing, mm. which would help to. It would help to kind of get rid of some of that baggage. But I, I just don't think that that's something he personally wants to do. No, I don't think it is. And I think you can kind of, you end up translating that to the Labour Party as a whole because, obviously, as Corbynism's got more successful, it's become more access, uh, uh, accessible to mm. kind of newer left left-wing people, but also it's caught up a lot of the older, maybe sometimes more problematic mm. left-wing people yeah. who've felt okay to come back into well, the Labour Party. It's, um, like, the ones, the momentum people that I know of in Walthamstow, I don't, I don't think they're bad people at all. Um, no. But, um, based, based solely on, um, like we just said there about the age, mm. um, the ones who seem to be running the stuff at Walthamstow are very old. Yeah. Um, and Momentum's membership is, in general, quite young. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, in some ways, it, it could be good. Yeah. But in, some, in other ways, you can have some some old trots with some really, really bad opinions and views. They followed a party line all the way to the fucking end of the line. Yeah. Um, which can, like, I think... I think you start to see some of it with some of the CLPs. I think you could... See, like, unless it's rooted out quick... Yeah. You could see CLPs becoming quite poisonous. I don't know. I don't know if there's enough, and I think the people who are joining the momentum, I think, are clued up enough to be able to recognise that when it happens. They might not have the confidence to actually speak out. Hopefully, but do um, I would hope they would do. Hopefully, but what about but, um, like, for example, my daughter? Hmm. Um, how how nuanced the political outlook of the world do you think? Um, a bunch of 17 year olds are going to be are they going to be willing to criticise and disagree with a bloke in his 60s mm. who has been doing this forever yeah and not being out and out denying the holocaust but you know you know the stuff that yeah left wing anti-Semites do um, and I could just see it, that it rubbing off on not all of them but on some of them and mm. it's like at best they'll like try and get rid of them yeah but I could see them either being turned off at all and leaving. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like, well, actually, look, 
Lily considered leaving the Labour Party already, but that's mainly because there's a bunch of benefits at the college. <laughs> but um, yeah, but that's another thing. You know, there's so many things that are like iffy now. Yeah, I think like the worst elements you've been able. I think they've made themselves pretty obvious. Hmm. There's a few fringe cases of of stuff that I've seen of like they talk in they talk in certain ways, and I think. Even younger people who've had a real see, who've really gotten on board with this like siege mentality mm. about defending Corbynism yeah. as a project, and oh well, it's just another smear. It's just another smear, and it's like, well, I, I don't, I don't think you can just you you have to be able to think it through. Even the ludicrous stuff, mm. even the Czech spy stuff, mm. the the people who you trusted were the people who didn't just um, get angry at it; they either laughed at it. Or thought it through mm. and laid it out for for other people. Well, the thing is, it's that you thing, know the thing that I was saying. That the thing that I found dangerous with regards to a lot of people just saying that this that that reason that one that anti-Semitic smear mm. um, was a smear. That anti-Semitic that incident of anti-Semitism was a smear. Yeah. The problem with it is it comes. It's been sandwiched in with so many genuine smears that it's really easy for it to get lost in all of yeah. it. Yeah, and I worry that some people aren't going to pay attention to it. Like um. My wife was like, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm just not going to believe anything any of them say anymore. Because yeah. then I think, I can't remember what the next thing that they did, but there was another one. I think it might have been with the Seder, the, the Judas Seder. Oh, yeah, no, the Seder thing. Talking, yeah. and, then, and then they did a full-on, you know, this, like, a, um, a Haggadah of hate and shit like that. It was, it was, the, it was the normal kind of, um, like, normal service has resumed. Yeah. As far as the, the press were concerned. They'd yeah. found one thing, and they could manage to spiral it out mm. into another. Like, mm. under no illusions that... They would use it that that they give a shit about yeah. what he posted on that on that Facebook photo, but it's oh, not. No. To be perfectly honest, there's nothing as as kind of defensive as you as a, a Corbinian mm. <laughs> would want to get. Um, there's nothing you can do about that. That's going to be the tone. And let me tell you, when he gets into office, it's going to be even worse. Mm. The mainstream press are going to be fucking all out all the time. Mm. And so maybe just don't be so hyperactively defensive because it's just going to be the same next week. Yeah. I know there's definitely an impulse to like not want anything to go unanswered, especially now that you have the internet and social mm. media because you can answer immediately. Mm. And I don't even mind like like dogpiling on Twitter, mm. dogpiling like a, a paper or a, a journalist who's written something incorrect mm. and shit. I don't, mind the dogpiling it's not abuse it's just a shitload of comments that's that's all it is but maybe you don't have to kind of hyperactively go after everything and like proclaim it's a huge conspiracy Mm. because you know it is it it is a conspiracy but it's there yeah i mean it's not a hidden conspiracy do you know what i mean um i kind of wanted to talk more about like conspiracy generally like conspiratorial thinking on the left generally because mm. like it's usually a right-wing phenomenon mm. because it fits very easily in because conservatives think that there's a natural way that society operates the only thing that prevents it is a certain bad class of people mm. or like there's certain bad people who are distorting the way society works mm. and so if you just got rid of those people it would be fine you know yeah. that in very extreme right-wing cases it refers to like Jewish people or you know gypsies or you know liberal elites or anything like that um, in right-wing conspiracies yeah so I've never really thought about that like how are gypsies controlling the world 
Oh yeah, well, I mean it's maybe. I suppose there's not many groups um, who do it, but it's just that they're dirty. You, you, no, you, you think about like the local context. No, of it. no, I know, I know that because um, gypsies are they are usually lumped in with with Jews mm. with regards to that kind of Roman mm. conspiracy. But um, that's what I meant. I shouldn't have actually think, included think, gypsy I, in that. Yeah, you know, I was just trying to think. Like, you can't point to a, a gypsy version of like a Rockefeller, mm. um, David Essex, <laughs> <laughs> Bob Hoskins. <laughs> But no, I was just trying to yeah, I, if you think about if you reduce it down to a local context, there's yeah. plenty of like letters of saying they they run the place. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, the council uh, care more about them, you know that kind of thing. So I'm just thinking of the um, Chronicles of the Elders of Zion, but with David Essex sitting at the table. In fact, if anything, yeah, I probably shouldn't. You you probably shouldn't uh, lump gypsies because that like anti-Semitism about. Jews is a very specific thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no one else, cla- no one claims that like, um, you know, like uh, Bangladeshis are like mm. running a world government. Yeah, I think gypsies are just a, you know? a minority to like, you can have a go at. Yeah, time. yeah. But that's usually a, a yeah. right, a right wing thing. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a manner yeah. of, of right wing, yeah. right wing thinking. But like, what happens when it comes from kind of os- uh, ostensibly progressive forces is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Conspiratorial thinking. Yeah. Um, I think it's quite easy to, you can fall into conspiratorial thinking because at its heart, left wing thought is ultimately there's something wrong with the world. Mm. Um, As opposed to right wingers who think that everything is right with the world but wrong with a certain group of people. Left wingers, I think, generally recognise that there is something wrong with the world Mm. and it should be fixed. Um, Like a basis of a conspiracy is that uh, events and, and people and objects have a hidden connection mm. and usually a malicious one to um like the to a fair kind of equitable society um and that reality has to be decoded mm. so it's not it's not just that there's um a reality there but there's a kind of veil over the top and all yeah. you need to do is work out the right like puzzle pieces or the right key and yeah. you'll be able to kind of unveil it yeah um and it's not hard to see, like especially with like socialism, how you can look at cap- capitalism being everywhere mm. and so ingrained in everything, and not kind of reduce it to a series of people who are doing capitalism on people. Yeah, you know, um, the difficult like the difficulty is how you kind of diagnose and act against the problem. Yeah. And, you know, traditionally left-wingers have had no problem with agreeing about how to act against <laughs> capitalism. There's no problem there. Everybody agrees. There is one socialist line, and that's it. <laughs> um, once we get that bomb, we send it off. Um, and the culture will notice us. Like, yeah, the grey area will turn up. <laughs> um, yeah, decades in the wilderness as well, especially in the UK context, like decades in the wilderness and a lack of like a broader leftism, like a popular leftism. Yeah. That's allowed a crankiness to creep in because you've been basically meeting up with your mates and working at, out on your own. Well, it's almost like you that. Know? That George Galloway meeting he did with the what's it with the Russian guy and that bald guy who was drinking what looked like a pint of gin. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like essentially yeah. like the left for a long time has been consigned to meeting up in small rooms like that. Well, the weird thing as well is that like what really Oh, whenever I'm reading about 70s trot groups, what really bothers me is two things. One, the way that they propagandise hmm. is the same way that Lenin propagandised. Mm-hmm. The same kind of stilted phrasing. And it really bothers me. Yeah. 
like all power to the workers mm. and it's like that was translated from russian it doesn't scan in english there has to be i feel like there's something better than that don't yeah. get me wrong it's a punchy phrase yeah but somehow misses a lot yeah i don't know and the other one was like this massive delusion that actually they were just around the corner from like popularity yeah not a, a serious realistic look at um the the circumstances that were around them i'm not i'm not going to go so far as to say oh trots you know all the splitting of the left allowed thatcher to mm. get into power because like they were already kind of all the left wing forces were already absorbed within labor by that point and then yeah. what labor does they they kind of follow yeah. you know so what you have left is like this this remnant, but still parroting the same thing of like, well, clearly we have the workers on our side. And it's like, thing, like you kind of assuming that they're on your side. That thing, like you know the biggest trot group of um, well the most the loudest one of the SWP. Oh, they were the it's biggest like, for quite a while. Yeah, it's like yeah. they've um, they've almost well they I'll say almost they trick themselves mm. because they do that thing of you know turning up to protest, handing out placards to everybody. Yeah. To give the give the impression that it's their march mm. and that there's so many supporters. But then they all, they believe they're in bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, which, I think the SWP like there were some groups that they either founded or were part of that did like good work. But obviously, it gets to a certain point in the two thousands, mm. and it ju- it's just rancid. You can't you can't you can't separate for a long time. You can't. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. But like, yeah. you can't separate the SWP from like uh, was it Stand Up to Racism? I think is their one. I think it's- yeah, things like that. And even, like, the Respect Coalition mm. for a long time was, like, so caught up with uh, the Stop the War movement and everything. Yeah. And I don't think you can taint everybody who was in the Stop the War movement with that kind of politics. But after a while, yeah. it gets that stink and there's something there's something wrong mm. about it. There's so many little things on the fringes of George Galloway. Yeah, um, The hat was the final straw. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, it's also really easy for left-wing movements generally progressive movements especially during like the the reaction to the financial crisis when you had like uh the one percent and 99 percent kind of rhetoric Mm. and um like a rigged economy Mm. and banksters that kind of bothered me and you end up with a kind of a left-wing movement that focuses not on the totality of capitalism but certain bits even yeah. the most radical elements of that, yeah, they kind, kind of, of focus on on bits. It's kind of weird the notion there was a lot of people. I think it's quite ignorant people, but you know, mm. well-meaning. Mm. Um, but the notion that if we went into the city of London and we built a big, a massive gallows mm. and we hanged a lot of them, that it would be better. And it's like, no, the system is. Still it's still, there. it's still there. Those people are, and it's one of the horrifying things of capitalism. Mm. The people are utterly meaningless. Yeah. Oh, the thing is, I don't. I kind of went back and forth on this, reading some of the responses to why um, Jeremy Corbyn, because Jeremy Corbyn's a pucker anti-racist. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah, he's a, he yeah. has been the most anti-racist, anti-interventionist, anti-imperialist MP. For a, a good long time, he's got mm. some sterling credentials. If you to look at his history, so to tie something like anti-Semitism to him yeah. seems like quite a stretch. Yeah. But you look at it, and I was kind of like, some people are arguing. Well, naturally, you know, Corbynism's rhetoric collapses into personalised critiques of capitalism and identifies certain individuals that, if they were removed, mm. that thing. And then I kind of come away from it, and it's like, well, 
I've heard John McDonnell used rigged economy and mm. Jeremy Corbyn used rigged economy. There's nothing wrong essentially with those phrases, but it mm. certainly does kind of can collapse an mm. anti-capitalist argument quite quickly mm. if you're just doing if you're just coming at it from a certain angle. But I don't think Corbyn actually like Corbynism generally like it doesn't. I don't think it turns into that. No, no, because um, it doesn't turn into like um, a popular uprising against an elite. I no, think no, no. It, Corbynism isn't really. It's like. One of the things that is one of the reasons why Corbynism in general will probably is doing well mm. is it it is anti-capitalist, but it's not explicitly we're gonna we're going for full communism now. Yeah, like th- there are a lot of people who say that, mm. and but I do think it's almost kind of a meme yeah. because realistically it's a it's a a strong left wing social democratic movement. Yeah. Like at best for a really radical alternative, it provides a platform. Yeah, because he's a Ben. He's basically a Benite. Yeah, he's um. You know, we have a mixed economy. We nationalise the most important things, the things yeah. that people need every day. We have some Weed. alternative. Yeah, <laughs> we have some alternative models of ownership. Mm. Uh, we maybe experiment a bit with like democratic ownership of the means of production. Yeah, but we're not going to go too far because otherwise they'll come and kill us. Mm. Um. It it doesn't. I talk about collectivizing the farms, which yeah. I do in a fucking heartbeat. I, I was in Norfolk um, on um, on Monday. Yeah. Good God, sugar beet fields are horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Take all the. I hate Norfolk farmers. <laughs> Specifically, take their land. I think all those like weird, like Occupy, yeah. fetishes. You know that because Occupy was such a like weird broad oh, movement. Occupy was so broad. That you could get from the you, like anti-capitalist anarchists, yeah, right the way to anarcho-capitalist and Nazis. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what happens when you're willing to let anyone hang out with you, Corbyn. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like because he swept up such a lot of people, there's quite a lot of like immaturity. There's a yeah. there's a tendency to reduce what should be a a socialist program yeah. into like just a, ra- a, a like radicalism. Yeah. Like, like I say, anything but this. Yeah. You know? And I think he's done reasonably well. The manifesto's a mm. pretty good starting point for, for channeling the desire for change into a good direction. Yeah. Into a direction that benefits everybody. Because that would be his argument. His argument against the middle class is saying like, oh, you're going to take all my stuff and you're going to take all this stuff. He's saying, actually, you will benefit. Yeah. Like, that's how he... That's his method of winning yeah. people over. Like, I don't know whether it will be successful. I don't even know whether I entirely agree with it and think it's 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 a, a winning tactic, but it's what he does. It's, yeah. That is his um his tactic. And, like, key among these, like, very defensive, like, left-wing defenders of, of Corbyn, this kind of more radical stuff that's come up... Because he's been hit so many times with smears mm. um, and things like that, you've got this like alternative media, um, mm. Squawk Box, Canary. I think Evolve Politics are a bit yeah. like that. Um, I don't really read them. Uh, I do not read them. I read it. I read them a bit today because I, I wanted to talk about them. Um, um, I, like because I think you were talking they, to me about um, them like a week or so ago. Yeah. Um, and I was looking into them, and I I, I realised that because I follow a lot of people on Twitter, like because literally I yeah, I, yeah. I, I just follow 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 yeah. um, whenever he started my Twitter account. But um, mm. I saw that you know they they talk to Galloway, so why would I fucking believe it? <laughs> like listen to a word they say, really? Because th- that's the kind of thing that no. There was a big argument um, a couple of weeks ago about the need. To, I can. It might have been Daniel Howden. 
on Twitter. He's a yeah. good follow. He's a economics, which is close to my heart. Um, economics guy. And he um, he started talking about how there needed to be kind of a reckoning with the crank. The yeah. crank left was yeah. the word he used. And somebody objected to him using the word crank. And they were talking specifically about Squawk Box, Canary, and uh, those kind of like clickbait sites. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so just like, do you think, do you think like mm. you'd be able to have Squawk Box kind of imitate BuzzFeed probably more than the sun, but they mm. do have a certain like tone that kind of reminds me of the sun pimping for Thatcher or yeah. for the conservatives over the last 40 years. Mm. Do you think like it, what do you think? Do you think that it, that they can do that? Do you think it's worth it? Well, the, kind of the clickbait stories to try and make people like, um, can uh, you have it? Can you have right a right wing click uh, info wars of the left? Yeah. Do you think you can have a Daily Mail column of shame of the left? No, no, because you're not. <laughs> it's quite easy to be right wing. Mm. Um, you don't have to do as much boring reading, mm. um, and that doesn't. The reason why you can't have it is because you do need to do the read. You can't just have these because it will just lead to conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, and you can't have the just jumping to conclusions without analysing. It's going to sound really boring. Like, you people, you shouldn't be getting so excitable because you need to sit there and do your homework. <laughs> but that's what it comes down to. You've got, you've got to analyse what you're thinking. You've got to f- um, and work out what's actually going on. Yeah. I rather think, than just... I think it too easily takes... I, I, I kind of broadly agree. Mm. I, I'm interested by the concept of have like for eight for years. I was interested by the concept of like a Fox News of the left. Yeah. Like, but ultimately it f- slots too easily into that kind of like clickbaity yeah. thing. And like every fucking week they will have something like Jeremy Corbyn lands killer blow on Theresa May at PMQs, and it's like no, he didn't. He oh. said that she was wrong and that um, progressive. Tax, I'm making it up, but well, he, they would like progressive taxation would benefit the poorest in our society. I've seen when mental people, health funding should have mental health should have more yeah. funding, and it's like that's not a killer blow. I don't. I've seen when um, if you think you're that, trying to excite people, if you think that shaming conservatives with regards to the lack of spending on mental oh. health is going to destroy the conservative party, then you know you haven't been <laughs> attention to history. But um, no, that that one, that kind of thing specifically leads into just it's just playing the same game as them. I don't give a shit who wins Question Time. Yeah, because you don't win Question Time. It's that it's um it goes back to when we went to watch um the rugby with a friend and his dad. His dad got us tickets to go see Oxford Cambridge and Twickenham, <laughs> yeah. and um this friend of ours dad leans over to me and goes, "Hugh, Hugh, Hugh, who do you reckon's gonna win?" Ha! The Tories always win, <laughs> and that's what questions. So the, the, you know, the party line, the the general consensus, the party line, the notion of British parliamentary democracy still wins. Yeah, and it's still playing by those rules of who gets the most jeers. Yeah, and all that kind of shit, which I hate. And um, but so it will automatically lead into that kind of shit. Hmm. But I just because clickbait in general is bullshit. And I don't want I don't want a Fox News of the left. Mm. It's like it's like I don't want a BAE of the left. <laughs> I want I don't want BAE. You want, want something nicer? Yeah, I want um, social um, socially um, state made combine harvesters. <laughs> Beautiful solar power combine harvesters. <laughs> as far as the eye can see. Yeah. No, like it. I would, 
when I was um, ser- like searching for kind of like definitions of, of crank, because yeah. I know vaguely what it is, but like, yeah. um, obviously it's another word for meth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, in America. Yeah. Um, it's a stimulant that acts on the central nervous system to increase heart rate and alertness of its users. Yeah, yeah. Which is, seems to be what, like, squawk box and, and canary seem designed to, to present this exaggerated caricature of how well Corbyn is doing. It's because they give an exaggerated caricature of what they think the left wants to hear. There's a really good um, video that uh, Richard Seymour did. Yeah. Um, might have been a couple of years ago, maybe last year, I can't remember, um, where he kind of critiques like that kind of media um, and, you know, he it, pointing out that they are a registered company. Mm. They're not necessarily kind of uh, that, that socialist. They're not really talking about socialist stuff. They're just, they're operating on the same marketing model as something like a, a BuzzFeed or a, a Daily Mail mm. kind of online. Well, one of the things I've noticed that they're, they're prone to doing, there's, um, there's two users, there's Tory Fibs, mm-hmm. which is so Ian Clark, mm-hmm. and there's another one, Rachel something, but... Oh, um, I know who you Rachel mean, Rachel yeah. Swindon. Rachel Swindon, yeah. Who inflate numbers, mm. which you don't need to do. Yeah. And it just discredits you, and that's why I mean, it's like that's the problem it's with you the te- idea of these kind of. It's like in left. the in the world of like where uh, the me- the mainstream media is trying to kind of tag things that it doesn't like or things that are outside of the hegemony as fake news. Yeah, you're just taking your place amongst that. Well, it makes you just yeah, it makes you know, it's like why it makes you completely irrelevant. It makes you it's not worth listening to you because you're you're. Well, and and like and on the odd occasion, on the odd occasion, it, it, like because it's feeding what it pe- thinks people want to hear, which is constant good news. Yeah, um, you can let things you can let things slide so that you post something that fucking nationalists use, like they did with that um, Sajid Javid um, receiving a, a an anti Islamophobic death threat. Did he get one finally? Um, I don't know whether he... I don't know. He may have got one, but the one that, that at the time, the yeah. story was that he had got one, but it was actually one that one of his constituents had got. Okay. Um, and they were like, he's faking it. And oh. it's like, of course, that naturally appears on, you know, British Patriot 66, yeah. uh, 88 or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. I saw... Um Sajid Javid, did he refer to Momentum as um, neo-Nazis? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, a neo-Nazi cult, um, and also you can see it in you can see the downsides of it because it takes its place within an established dynamic. Rather than trying to change the dynamic, it takes its place within the established dynamic. And then, of course, you've got Red Raw that has come out now, which is exactly the same thing, but for the Labour right. So it's constantly, um, you know, this proves that Jeremy Corbyn is anti-Semitic. And it's like inflating things and, and pushing out kind of half truths and exaggerated exaggerations, mm. and and things like that. Like he, I don't think if you're going to talk about Corbynism as a proper socialist movement, yeah. Like I don't think the way to go is necessarily just portraying the working class and workers and quote unquote ordinary people, mm. which I try and stay away from that normal people and ordinary people i try and stay away from it not for any particular like like um political correctness thing but i think it's does a disservice to like a good broad movement yeah like and from a marxist perspective like the working class is not just 
an oppressed class that you need to free from its overseers. I think that's a useful shorthand, mm. but within Marxist theory, it is the class that you're supposed to work to give agency to, to give, yeah. to to work out that it's a class in itself and mm. to, to kind of raise class consciousness mm. about its own power. And like the best thing that Corbynism can do, if it's going to achieve kind of socialist aims, is to not just relieve the pressure of capitalism on it, although that is an important part, but to actually make the working class powerful in its own right, give it its own institutions, and help it embody its power, help it come into its power. It's why you know? the, um, the kind of... There's seen some of it, because it's, mm. it's all really horrible watching him fight on Twitter, because it's just like, oh, fuck's sake, not again. Because, mm. you know, like I'm not, I'm not even that old, but it feel, I feel old when I'm watching leftists argue. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's, because, it's that kind of stuff that the Corbynite left... Corbynista people need to give Hanakis a break with regards oh, to building because yeah. in general Hanakis are trying that. There was a there was a Twitter spat the other day. On yeah, that, I didn't see it because I was I was taking a big break from Twitter, but I saw bits of the. Aftermath. I don't I don't mind like um, observing that kind of stuff because I find it fascinating. I find mm. it like because these are like twenty somethings mm. who have no maybe they have involvement in organisations, but they have no particular historical memory of the spats between mm. anarchists and trots and, and you know, Labour members mm. and communists, Stalinists, whatever. But it, it felt like they were, like, assuming these identities. Not to devalue no, no, not what they do, to, but, like, it felt like you're assuming all the historical, bag- historical baggage for all of this stuff that you've... Like, the left was very very poorly represented for a long time mm. there were still organizations doing good work and necessary work but it was very much like at a local level it was never even at a regional level yeah you know yeah there's like a there's a there's a mode with the like squawk boxes of the world as well like there's a conspiracy the right-wing press the mainstream media is in a conspiracy against you they're going to do this thing and it's like oh they, they did the thing you know, of course, of course, they they misrepresented it. Yeah. That's not a conspiracy between individuals. That's a structural relationship to power. Yeah. They do it because they're written by rich people yeah. who are in a certain class. They're reflecting their own class interests mm. when they try and do that. Now, it gets inordinately more complicated, especially with like the liberal media, with yeah. the, the Guardian and the New Statesman and stuff like that. But there's plenty of ways that you can analyze it without thinking that like they're all just meeting up. Do you know what I mean? It becomes a bit um, Gamergate. You yeah. know, Gamergate of like, oh, look, they all have this like uh, group chat. Yeah. Like this this group Google chat and that's how they're There's a lot of conspiring things. to take our games or, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, they're posting with like, like links from WhatsApp groups. Yeah. Kind of weird. Because also, I don't really believe them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think... Not that I wouldn't put any of it past any yeah. of these people. That's the thing, when they say that like... Um, of course, there's like the the, the I mean, Jones did an article today about um, the BBC and its and its biases. Yeah. Um, of course, it's like I I don't know how anyone could ever look at the BBC if someone says that the BBC is like either impartial or has a left wing bias. Yeah. I pretty much write off their opinions because it's like yeah yeah I I remember um, Andrew Neil who's like um, hardcore Bolshevik. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 so patently false. Yeah, um, I think it's like I think the problem is that they don't have any way of it. It can make you feel very helpless. Yeah, like 
especially now that journalism, print journalism especially, is kind of hollowing out and narrowing. And over the last 10, 20 years, it's narrowed so that the journalists really are a very select class group from mm. like Oxbridge graduates. And they think that they're the same as their, their great kind of like... Uh, liberal left predecessors mm. but they're really not they mm. are drawn from a very specific privileged group of people mm. and I think that doesn't help but I think there's a way of responding to it that they feel like there's this need to instantly respond rather than think about it for a couple of days mm. and actually get something you know what even if you get something funny mm. it's, it does way more use than go than saying like more Tory lies on the BBC yeah. it's the same way I feel about tankies and NATO I don't yeah. like NATO NATO can fuck off mm. but like the value of 10,000 blog posts <laughs> talking about like uh, NATO troops in Ukraine yeah um, it's I'm caught between it because yeah it does need to be covered and it does need to be opposed yeah. but there's a kind of tone and an urgency to it that's unwarranted, especially the BBC. I mean, obviously, BBC is a bit different from fucking NATO and global events and everything, but yeah. it's it's just this relentless need to respond as soon as it happens and be the first person to to defend, which yeah. it just stops you thinking yeah. for even two seconds. Like one of the things that you do like about Jeremy Corbyn is that mm. he's willing to say, we need to know more. Yeah. And it is funny how much he's vilified for that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a thing that I do think is important. You do need to just take a step back and go, but why? Yeah. yeah. Why is this? And and find a way of there's there's not just you don't just have to have one tone. You can have a variety of tones. Mm. Some might take half hour to formulate. Some might might, might take weeks. Some yeah. might some might make might take years. Mm. But that's how you build up a, a momentum mm. of kind of anti-capitalism and anti-Toryism that's actually going to stick yeah, as opposed to winning this election and then it being very easy to demolish all that back when people get disillusioned because yeah. somebody told a fib. Yeah. You know? Um, it's also necessary because you're, let's face it, conspiratorial thinking on the left fits well in with kind of conspiratorial thinking in society generally. Hmm. Like, there's been a massive leap, especially since kind of, like, Brexit and Trump and all that kind of thing. Like, the liberal, like, the supposedly rationalist liberal mm. media, who are meant to be the sensible ones, the ones who take their time and analytically, mm. uh, well, analyse <laughs> um, all the all the things in a kind of dispassionate, rational way, sober mm. way, have completely abrogated that responsibility as well. Oh, they yeah. don't, they have lost their fucking minds, as we've documented <laughs> many, many times before. You know, um, it just allows centrists to kind of reinforce their their belief in their own rationality, even though it's false. Yeah, there is there are like Carol Cadwalla, hmm. Cadwalla Durr in the uh, Guardian. Hmm. She's the big Cambridge Analytica yeah. person, um, and all of her stuff would not be out of place in like a proper conspiratorial. Mm. it's proper conspiratorial thinking mm. and the tone is like I've uncovered this I've found this out and some of the stuff she has found out but she has undergone no effort to like work out what it means other than somebody was lying mm. you know and mm. like, well, I generally go through life thinking quite a lot of powerful people are lying well, yeah, just... you need to work out why and to what end Yeah, you know and like 
positioning yourself as that allows people like Nick Cohen, mm. who's the fucking biggest crank in the world, mm. the biggest kind of conspiratorial falsifier of people's attitudes and events mm. that is writing today. And it just allows him to, you know, go right back on with his bullshit. Yeah. It, yeah, legitimizes all that crap. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing of, there's been, it's more acceptable, there's less trust in everything um, since the Iraq war. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm. it's not just the Iraq war. That definitely, did, definitely. But the Iraq war was, it was, there were so many big lies mm. that, for like before it and after it, there's been endless little lice that the government yeah. are always telling. But after the Iraq War, it's like sort of like the gates were broken. Yeah. And so then you do get to a point of, yeah, just never believe anything. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 correct, the correct thing to do after that is to find out what you can believe. Yeah. And work from that rather than go full on Romaniac. You have to hold yourself in a kind of. Suspended animation sometimes, I mm. think. Yeah, it's weird, like, we do keep on saying you have to it's, take a step back and have a think. Weirdly enough, it was always one of the best things. When I was a really big, like, um, Robert Anton Wilson fan, yeah. when I was a kid, yeah. and his thing was always, like, the map is not the territory, mm. um, meaning that the representation of something is not the real thing itself. Sometimes it's very difficult to behold the real thing. Mm. And uh, he, like, he was very much one of those, like, if you were around today, he'd be... Probably libertarian, maybe alt right. Later on in his career, he had some very terrible things to say about feminism. Um, he went he went well into like libertarian yeah. hippie kind of yeah. pot pot and acid and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's a, a thing that's worth. Um, and he, I mean, he played around with conspiracy theories. Like that oh, was yeah. a major theme of what he wrote about, it, well, yeah, like Illuminatus trilogy yeah. and things like that. Um, but he, yeah, you know, he had that thing of like, it's possible that all things are true. Mm. Um, you need to kind of take a moment. Mm. And that kind of non-belief state, like mm. state is, I, I was always like, I've always felt it's helped, like kept me in really good stead when dealing with what's true and what's not. Yeah, you know? it's weird. if there was a book that I'd say that me and you and our friend, the friends that we still have from school, mm. um, the reasons why we are still relatively... It's like the same media sane. Yes, yeah. Um, is because of us reading reading Illuminatus when we were fifteen. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, because like, let's face it, like talking about our like growing up and everything. Like most people have a cranky side to them, have a neurotic side, have a kind of paranoid side to them, and and there's well, yeah, I went off grid for years. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, I mean, like vegetarians used to be called cranks. There was right. actually a, a apparently in um, in the sixties there was a, a restaurant, a London restaurant, um, where the vegetarian table was just called the crank table. Hmm. <laughs> so I think like over 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 egging the idea that having to put it one way counter hegemonic ideas is um, is dangerous. Hmm. I don't think that should be devalued because every anarchist, every communist, every socialist has had the idea, like as I said at the beginning, that things are a certain way and should be different. And so there's some aspect of their personality whereby they have thought something that wasn't necessarily held by, by the majority, you know, but yeah, yeah, like for me, like it's Marxism. I, I don't like, 
I don't know exactly how to apply Marxist ideas like that consistently, mm. but it's been, it's been a good rule of thumb for me for my, most of the past 10, 12 years. Mm. It's just that. It's a rule of thumb. It's the thing that I go to first to, mm. to kind of try and help me work through a, a particular idea. You know, yeah. I think where the danger comes with conspiracy theory is not necessarily thinking a different thing. I think it's the bit that comes after that. You know, you... You think that there's a veil over what's real hmm. and that if you whip the veil off, you'll be able to see the truth. But capitalism penetrates everything so so deeply and you think that it's only, pe- it's only warped or distorted the veil yeah. and then that's what you whip off to get to the truth. But in reality, it's penetrated right down to the it's core. Everything. It's everything and it's everywhere. Like, yeah. That is true. Like, you live a capitalist truth every hmm. day. There are forces acting upon reality that make it capitalist, but at the same time, it has made that reality capitalist. Your truth is capitalist every day that you live. Mm. You live with money, you live with selling your labour, you're not outside it. Mm. You're not outside it looking in, you're in the middle of it. And so your responsibility, or the best thing you can do as a socialist, is you're trying to change that truth. Mm. And how you go about that, like that's quite important, Mm. you know? Yeah. Or you can just go for a blood and soil nationalist. <laughs> That's uh, us for this week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, as usual, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can uh, follow me at BM Bergamot and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. Like his dog pics. Yeah. Give a like to Hugh's dog pics. My he's so sad. beautiful. He's, he's sitting over there. He get enough likes. He's so, sitting over there. To be so fair, he... I stop feeding him when he doesn't get enough likes. He gets fed <laughs> specifically based on the likes. <laughs> Kick dog. <laughs> um, yeah, like if you have any uh, any suggestions, any comments, mm. DM us or reply to the Twitter entry for Just this sh- episode. Yeah. Just show us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. That's us. Right. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. about the fighting game when Mr. Hoover said to